Alright, take your seats everybody. Today we're talking about strengths and weaknesses. Take your seats please. Thank you. You are listening to the Change Academy podcast. My name is Brock Armstrong. And I am Monica Reinagel. And this is a podcast where we talk about the fascinating and fun, don't forget the fun, art and science of behavior change. So welcome. Glad you're here. You know, when you're designing your life and trying to figure out how to move closer to the ideal version of your life, you could choose to lean into your superpowers and do more of the things that you're already really good at. Or you could choose to address your weak spots and focus on building up those things that you're not naturally good at. And you know what? You'll hear people arguing both sides of this coin. So in this episode, we want to explore what makes the most sense and how this fits into our work of creating our ideal selves. Yeah, I can hardly wait. And you're definitely going to hear both sides of the coin (laughs) in this episode as well. But hopefully we'll give you a little bit of direction by the end so you can choose a little bit more wisely. But first, this is a portion of the show when we like to talk about what we're working on or what you guys, the listeners out there, are working on. And we actually do have a note from Jenny, who wrote to us on Facebook, And do you want to read what Jenny had to say? Sure. She said, thanks so much for all the wonderful new episodes of the Change Academy. I'm finding them so helpful. I'm glad, Jenny. Recently, she says, my mind has been trying to talk me out of loving strength training. It's getting darker and colder here in Denmark. (laughs) And my mind is telling me that there's no way I can keep up this new strength training during the autumn and winter. So it's telling me, I really do hate strength training, (laughs) and this new mindset of loving it is just a fake. So I'm trying to pay attention and to gather evidence to support that new mindset. I really had to drag myself to my workouts this week, but I did have fun, and I felt great afterward. So I'm trying to keep my focus on the positive evidence as I go into the coming week. Yes. Nicely done. Well done, Jenny. Especially, and I want to just bring attention to the one of the last things that she said, where she said, I, I had to drag myself to the workouts this week, but I did have fun and I felt great afterwards. And that is such an overlooked portion of exercise, I find, is people are like, oh, I just don't like doing it. And like, yeah, but do you like how you feel when you finish? Because like focus on that sometimes because man, like sometimes I do workouts that, yeah, they're not super fun to do. But when I walk out of the gym confident and pumped up because I crushed the workout or whatever using the gym bro lingo, I just can see Monica just rolled her eyes when I said that. (laughs) Rightfully so. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like a gym bro, but crushing a workout feels really good. So so good for you, Jenny. Crush those workouts. You know, I can't say I've ever regretted a workout. Yes. I'm always happy when it's over. But I also wanted to share a little bit about what I've been doing uh, this last since we've been together. So it's getting to the end of the calendar year, and I've been sort of planning for 2021. I can't wait till it gets here, right? I think we're all ready to say goodbye to 2020. But, you know, part of that just means... (laughs) reviewing my objectives and my goals for the coming year. But um, a big part of that process for me is also reviewing the year that's passed and recognizing or celebrating, just noticing what I accomplished, you know, and because I think that sometimes we are always looking to the next thing or the the thing that's undone kind of ties into our topic this week, too. Mm. And sometimes we forget to actually take a moment and acknowledge what we have accomplished. So I've been doing that, 
But in that process, I also have to kind of review what goals I had for last year that I didn't attain. And I found myself using a tool that we introduced in the last episode of looking at those goals that I'm carrying over into the next year, maybe, unless I decide not to, and asking myself, okay, was this a what, a how, or a why problem? And I've found that really helpful in doing some analysis in terms of why a certain goal didn't get met. And then also just kind of making a conscious decision about whether I do want to transfer that goal to 2021's list or whether I just want to let it retire with this year. So that's some of what I've been working on. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with looking back at the things that you didn't accomplish and really reevaluating like why exactly they didn't get accomplished because maybe the reason is is that well, it wasn't as important to you as you had originally thought at the beginning of the year when you put it on the list and it's okay to let it go. We yeah. don't have to accomplish it just because it was our new year's resolution or it's on the to-do list or or whatever. Well, and we've talked about this in a previous episode, sometimes carrying those unmet goals around has a cost to right. us. And uh, and so it's another good reason to to reevaluate those those goals and decide whether they are still current, whether we still have them. But, you know, when you first started talking about wanting 2020 to be over, I was going to be a super bummer and point out that, you know, January 1st is going to come along and nothing is going to have changed. (laughs) I see so many people that can just hardly wait to see 2020 be over. But the pandemic's still going to be here. The the other problems that we have in our own personal lives, the the issues that we might be struggling with are still here. And this goes back to to something that you and I talk about a lot, the the idea or the myth of the clean slate. Mm Mm-hmm. That sometimes we look forward to January 1st because it's going to feel right. Or we look forward to Monday because that's the time when we can start things anew or something like that. But I just, without being a bummer, I just want to remind everybody that time is a continuum and things are still going to be the way they are now, January 1st anyway. So, and that's not a bad thing. That's not something we have to dread or be afraid of or, or feel in the pit of our stomach. It's just the reality and and we can take it as a challenge to start every day as a clean slate, not just wait for January 1st or Monday or whatever it <laughs> happens to be. And and to that point, actually looking at the things that you've accomplished, like you said, you want to make a list of the things that you've accomplished. I don't see why we don't do that at the end of every day. Mm. Oh, actually, some of us do. But <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> this is just the super version of that. And yes, I totally get your point. And thank you for that reminder about the fact that when we turn the page on that calendar, I'm a bummer. <laughs> it, you know, only one minute separates 2020 from 2021. I think it's just that there are things that I think we're all really looking forward to. We have hopes that were not able to be realized in 2020 that look like they may be possible in 2021. And, and that's why it feels good for it to be drawing closer. But point yeah. taken. Fingers crossed that things will improve in 2021. And if they don't, we can still improve ourselves, right? Good point. So let's jump into the topic for for this episode, which is whether it is more strategic or more helpful to focus on strengthening our weaknesses or maybe just leaning into our strengths. Because the truth is, I think a lot of us have a natural tendency to focus on the weaknesses. Those are the things that Mm. come up for us first when we're looking at how we want to improve our lives or how we want to improve ourselves. We just naturally think of the things that we think of as being insufficient or lagging or lacking. 
And there's a psychological basis for this. And it's really interesting that we perceive that our weaknesses are much more changeable than our strengths. And maybe Mm. that's why we tend to prioritize them when we're looking to make change. Uh, As the researchers that uh, wrote a paper on this said, I'll, I'll quote them, my weaknesses will go away, but my strengths will always be with me. Now, that may not be a true fact. (laughs) I know. I was sort of thinking about that. But this is our psychological bias. This is what we tend to believe. And so maybe that's one of the reasons that we that we tend to focus on our weaknesses when we're looking for things that we feel like we want to change or work on. Well, that may not be a completely true statement, but it definitely it's an optimistic statement that I can work on my weaknesses, I can I can get rid of my weaknesses. If mm-hmm. I if I put the time and the effort in, I can I can manage those and I don't have to worry about my strengths because they're they'll always be with me. I, I like the sentiment behind that. But I guess and we'll get to this a little bit later, there also is a good reason to to focus on those strengths because even though they'll be with you, they won't necessarily become stronger. But I, I don't want to get we don't want to get to that yet. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I think that, unfortunately, we also tend to feel worse about our weaknesses than we feel good about our strengths. Do you know what I mean by that? It's sort of like we can sort of ignore or forget or dismiss or minimize a hundred compliments and then focus right in on that one criticism that we got. It's just a sort of typical piece of human nature that we do yeah, we feel worse about our shortcomings than we feel good or proud of our achievements. And that's kind of too bad. When we don't remember the the compliments we got on the things that we do well, like on our strengths, when somebody says, oh, you're really good at X, Y, or Z. And you're like, yeah, I know that. So you don't really don't really put a lot of stock in it. But you really, it cuts to the quick when yeah. somebody points out that you're weaker at a certain thing, especially if it's something that you value and that you know is a potential goal for yourself as well, that can really cut to the quick. Well, I think you make a very important point in that it's also easy for us to just kind of diminish the value of something because we're good at it. Yes. It's like, oh yeah, that's really easy for me. So how important or how valuable could that possibly be? Yeah, this couldn't possibly be a big deal because I've always been good at this. It's just everybody's good at this, right? And maybe that's part of why we don't hear the compliment because it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's nothing. Oh, this old thing. (laughs) I just just threw it on. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's part of it too, that if it's easy for us, then, you know, how proud of that can we really be? And that's also a shame. I think it's also, we do tend to focus on those weaknesses because there's a certain amount of virtue that we put into the the struggle Mm, mm -hmm. like if you if you struggle at something and it's really hard for you and you're you're putting in the time and you're getting up at 6 a.m to (laughs) to work on it and burning the midnight oil to to get it done there's a certain amount of virtue that's attached to that type of dedication and that type of effort that you're putting into things so even if it's not an activity that we necessarily like are it's going to change our lives by achieving it. It's just that pure struggle that we're doing that makes us think that it must be more important or it's more of a a value to society or to ourselves. Right. I guess it's that, you know, in order to gain, we must feel pain mentality, which (laughs) also worth examining. But, you know, as you alluded to before, there are some really good reasons that it does make sense instead to focus more on 
leaning into our strengths and really building up and capitalizing on the things that we are super talented in, even if that doesn't come naturally to us. Because there are so many studies that show that when we work in our strengths, we accomplish more in a shorter period Mm -hmm. of time. And so we get a lot more satisfaction out of it. We tend to feel happier about our progress and about our lives. Uh, So although it doesn't seem to be our natural inclination, there's some really good reasons that we might want to look around and look at the things that that do come naturally to us, that we do feel like we have an affinity for or a talent at, we're really good at, and picking more of that. How can we make ourselves better at those, even better at those things? I think one of the, the big things in my life anyway is if I focus on the things I'm already good at, I'm more efficient. Right. And I don't waste as much energy on things. I I can think of a piece of software I've been using since, I hate to say it, but the late 1980s I've been using. Right, because you're ancient. (laughs) Because I'm ancient. Yeah, both of us are. We're we're gifted that way. But yeah, like I've stuck with this one piece of audio software that really is quite antiquated at, at this point, because I mean, the 1980s were a long time ago. But I stick with it because I don't want to waste a bunch of time having to learn a new thing and get good at the the whole process. But that's not necessarily serving me super well. But, you know, I've got other things I want to do. I don't want to spend a weekend focusing on using a new piece of software. I want to spend that weekend doing something fun and just keep using that old piece of software. All right, Brock, you pushed back when I said I was looking forward to 2021. I got to push back on this one. We may have to table this for another episode, but I think we're going to have to talk a little bit about sunk costs. Hmm. And how we can lock ourselves in. But anyway, we will table that. Write that one down. (laughs) We will table that for a future episode. But But in one of the the articles that you actually found when we were doing the research for this episode, there's this great quote from Peter Drucker, who's a a big business guru Ah. fellow. I've heard his name many times. He's got some books and things out there. But he said, it takes far less energy to move from first-rate performance to excellence than it does to move from incompetence to mediocrity. So true. It is true. And that's exactly what I was talking about with the piece of software. <laughs> it's like I can, I can, I'm actually really good at it already. And I can go from first rate performance to excellence by just learning a couple extra keystrokes. But if I start a new piece of software, I'm going to go from complete incompetence to maybe mediocrity over a weekend. You know, I was thinking a little bit about this. I think sometimes we place a certain value on being well-rounded, Yes. You know, and, and, and being sort of able to do everything, you know, kind of competent in all fields. But, you know, I think this is one of the things that separates champions from the rest of us. Mm. It seems to me that champions, if you have that champion mindset in whatever, whatever realm, if it's athletic or, or chess champions, we're watching the Queen's Gambit right now. So chess is very <laughs> Along top with of everybody. mind. <laughs> but champions, they don't care what they're not good at. Mm -hmm. They don't care about being well-rounded. All they care is about getting even better at the thing that they're already great at. Right. And, and everything else is completely irrelevant to them. They, you know, there's no, there's no desire to be well-rounded or multi-talented or multifaceted. It's all just about maximizing their performance in that one thing that they're already excellent at. And maybe that's part of that champion's mindset. I have two stories that sort of go to the to this point. And the first one is from when I was in ballet school back again in the 1980s. 
and I used to throw parties in my my apartment, and of course, my only friends were were other people in the ballet school with me. And I used to get so frustrated because we'd be having this fun party, and I pull out my guitar and listening to music and stuff, and inevitably the ballet books would come out, and everybody would be sitting around talking about ballet. <laughs> it's supposed to be a party, and they're just <laughs> talking about ballet, but. All those people, I look back on their careers, and like one in particular was the prima ballerina for several of the the biggest ballet companies in Canada. After that, and that's the kind of dedication it takes to to become a champion, like you said. And there really is something to be said for that. But at the same time, I think being well rounded, I uh, I worked for a company about five years ago that part of the onboarding process for the company was to do sort of the Myers-Briggs kinds of tests. Mm -hmm. I think people are most familiar with that one, but there's a whole bunch of them these days. There's a a love language one. There's one that decides you colors. There's one that... Strengths finder. Yeah, yeah. And it was more like a strengths finder that we all had to take and then share with our manager and with our team. And the idea was that if you were somebody who wasn't really interested in doing a whole bunch of research, but really liked to just get in there and get your hands dirty and get something done, then you wouldn't be given tasks that involved like project management, let's say, for for example. Or if you were somebody who was really averse to standing up in front of a group and giving a presentation, well, then you wouldn't be asked to do that sort of thing, which is really polite and probably pretty smart. But I kind of took offense to it because I, I don't want to be pigeonholed. I want to mm. be the person who can do everything and can flourish in, in whatever situation I'm thrown into. So... As much as I appreciated this idea, and it almost goes with the champion's mindset to make sure that you're taking your employees and exploiting their superpowers and not forcing them into a position where where they are sort of floundering, I didn't I didn't like that personally. It kind of it kind of made me bristle a little. Well, I think if we're too rigid about what our supposed strengths and weaknesses are, you know, we could really miss out on some things that trying some new things that we might end up really loving or enjoying, even if we don't excel at them, uh, because we've boxed ourselves in to a certain thing that is what we should do. I I did one of those strengths finders tests not too long ago as part of a program that I was in, and I got my analysis, and I was sort of horrified to see that my chosen profession was completely wrong for my strengths. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it won't surprise you, Brock. It might surprise some people listening. You know, I was very strong in like the analytical parts mm. of it and uh, and that kind of thing and not as strong in the relational aspects. And mm. so I at first took that to mean like, oh, and I spend my life relating to people, helping them, you know, make the changes that they want to make in their lives. I'm, I'm, I must be terrible at it <laughs> or I must be in the wrong profession. And I love doing this. And I actually have some evidence to suggest I'm not terrible at it, but I was trying to reconcile it with this strengths finders, which kind of indicated that I should be in some sort of back office somewhere crunching numbers and never talking to anybody. And the person who was facilitating this gave me a, a very wise piece of insight. And if any of you have ever had strengths finders and felt like, uh oh, I need to quit my job, <laughs> I'll share this with you. And that was that your strengths don't determine what you get to do or what you should do or what you can be good at. It just gives you some insight into how you can go about being great at the thing that you choose to do. So for mm-hmm. me, you know, to exploit my analytical side and tendencies 
to help me find better solutions for people or help me communicate to to people more effectively. Like that's how I can use my strengths. It doesn't mean I shouldn't get to do that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. It actually makes me think of the genetic tests that people are doing like crazy these days. I I did a spat in the little tube and mailed it off to a company called Fitness Genes, and they analyzed my my genetic data against their huge database and wrote back to me and said that I am not suited for endurance athletics. <laughs> You're an endurance athlete, and that's all I have done from <laughs> the time I was a teenager. Mr. Till Triathlon. It was it was quite laughable actually at this point in my life to get that back and like really i'm not good at endurance sports eh but mm. at the same time like you said it's not that you are limited or that you shouldn't do that it's more it was more an information for me about how i should approach my endurance training from here on like it said i should be a power athlete so it's like okay well i can leverage that in my endurance training yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about Okay, so we've kind of gone back and forth and argued several different or two, at least two sides of this uh, argument. And so I think what we've concluded is that there's a time and a place for choosing to build up an area of weakness or to lean into strength and that we just we want to be strategic about what we choose and how we invest our time and energy. So one thing we want to consider is what, if anything, is this weakness costing us? Is it Mm -hmm. standing between us and a greater goal or something that we want to achieve. Right. I often put new athletes in particular through a specific set of tests to see if maybe they have weak calves or weak glutes or something like that. And that might be holding them back from performing even better at their chosen sport. So we want to be strategic Mm -hmm. with what we choose Mm -hmm. to strengthen. Well, yeah, we don't have to be good at everything. But if really not having any skill or competence in a certain area is keeping you from either fulfillment or happiness, Mm -hmm. where it's a piece of a necessary piece of something else that you want to accomplish, that might be a weakness that you do want to address. Even if it's not your end goal, it's kind of a necessary part of what you're going after. But I think we should also think about what I think of as the opportunity cost, right? If we're going to spend a lot of time and energy or money even addressing an area of weakness, well, that's time that we will not have or, or money that we will not have to invest in our strengths. And so, and what might we accomplish with that time and energy instead if we were working in our strengths rather than trying to build up this area of weakness? So, so we want to consider whether leaving that weakness unaddressed is costing us something, but we also want to address like if it's the best use of our time or whether there might be something more fulfilling or useful or productive that we could be doing with that same amount of energy. Right. The last thing we want to do is just sort of purposely make our lives more difficult for no no (laughs) good reason like that's and i think sometimes going back to that idea of of struggle is is somehow virtuous i think sometimes we do that with the cloak of feeling like we are actually spending our time doing something something worthy just because it's it's struggle but when we really take a step back and look at how we could be using that time differently or what we could actually be applying our strengths to it it does become a little more obvious So it really is a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. And I also want to draw an important distinction between competence and mastery. Mm. So there may be an area where we feel like, you know what, I really do need to have a certain level of ability in this in order to function or in order to flourish, in order to move forward. So you need to have a certain level of writing skills in order to 
be competitive in your profession, but that doesn't mean you need to write the next great novel, right? Or the next Pulitzer yeah. Prize, right? It would be enough just to write well enough, to be good enough, as we talked about um, in the last episode. And you can you can stay fit. That might be important to achieve a certain level of fitness. You don't have to become a professional athlete. You can feed yourself and your family a healthy diet. You don't have to become a Michelin-starred chef. So yeah. when we're addressing an area of weakness... Uh, we can stop just when we when we reach a level of basic competence. We don't have to then become excellent in everything. Especially if the people around you fill those gaps, whether that's the people in your work life or in your home life or in your family or or whatever. Like you and I have a lot of skills that overlap, but we also have our strengths. And I actually count on our relationship as being <laughs> one that I can count on your strength filling in my my weakness and and vice versa. Yeah, I think that's the final question that you want to consider is, could I just outsource this without yes. without missing out on anything? Can, who can I bring in in my life uh, or hire or bribe <laughs> or, <laughs> or barter, you know, to do this for me? And is that potentially the best way to have this need met in my life? I think that's absolutely valid. There's There's no shame in not being great at everything. Yeah, how many how many computer problems have you had fixed by buying somebody a beer or a coffee? <laughs> right, that's, not that's, many, but <laughs> but I I'll have. try. I'll try that next time. <laughs> yeah, I should offer you beer or coffee more often. Here, you just do it for me, just out of affection, I guess. I guess so. What a chump! <laughs> All right, let's get to some takeaways here. <laughs> okay, so conquering the things we struggle with can be very rewarding, but not. Everything is worth the time and effort. Right. And sometimes it makes sense to outsource things that we don't get value or fulfillment from by doing them ourselves. Also, give yourself permission to not excel at everything. There is nothing wrong with you just because other people do certain things better than you. And finally, focusing on our strengths can allow us to achieve more in a limited arena, of course, than we can if we're trying to be absolutely good at everything, everywhere, all the time. Right. All right. I know you've got a really good lab experiment for us this time. Yeah, that was um, a very wide-ranging conversation, and we want to give you some practical tools that you can use to apply this to your own life. So, Yeah, I hope everybody out there who listens to the podcast on a regular basis understands that we don't ever want to leave you guys just sort of doing, what do they call it, belly scratching? Yeah, right. <laughs> An stuff. interesting conversation is not enough. We want no. to send you home with with uh, something new to apply. And so here's your applied lab experiment for this episode. Just start by identifying some area of weakness, just anything where you feel like you lack skill or talent or even just affinity, just something you don't really like to do very much. Maybe spreadsheets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Consider how or even whether strengthening that particular weakness could move you closer to your goals or to your ideal self. And if you think it might, then I want you to think about what's the minimum level of competence or comfort or mastery that you would need to achieve. And you know, what would it take to achieve that? Try to put some concrete thought into what it would require. Yeah. And then I want you to consider the costs of addressing that weakness. And by that, I mean the opportunity costs of the time that you would not be spending 
working in your areas of strengths? And what, if anything, could you put into place to compensate for your lack of ability or affinity in this area? So once you've considered all of that, and of course we have this written down in the show notes for your reference, but once you've thought through all of those questions, make a conscious decision whether or not you are going to address this weakness or simply allow it to exist. And that last step is probably the most important one is Mm. to to think through and then come to a conclusion, make a decision and then stick by it. And you can reassess it at a a later date, but for right now, make that decision. But I also want to go back to step two. There was a really important (laughs) part of step two that you, you mentioned, and I want to make sure people really embrace it. And that's what is the minimum level of competence, comfort, and mastery you would need to achieve and what would it take to achieve that? Because you, like we said, you don't have to be absolutely brilliant at everything, but sometimes just upping your game a little bit is uh, is good enough. Yeah. So let us know what you're good enough at by going to changeacademypodcast.com and you can find this particular episode in the show notes, a lab experiment, the takeaways and everything. If you go to, once again, changeacademypodcast.com slash strengths, or you can look for episode 29. And on that page, you'll also find a handy little button that says, send us a voicemail. And if you click on that, it opens up a little widget and you can actually just send us a voicemail by, by just talking into your computer. And by doing that, you also run the risk. I was going to say, you, you may actually hear your voice on a future episode of the podcast because we like to feature other people's voices on here and uh, in that section where we talk about what you're working on. So send us a voicemail. Again, changeacademypodcast.com and there's a little button on the side of the page. Click on that and send us a voicemail. Let us know what you're working on. Yeah, we always love to hear from you. Okay, that's it for us. We will see you next time. Here's to the changes we choose. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to let us know how your lab experiment goes. This has been the Change Academy podcast.